1: Hey, this is Steve Sims, author of Bluefish in The Art of Making Things Happen.
2: Hey, this is Elena Cardone from The g and Show. And if
1: you want to knock down the doors in your life and if you want
2: to build your empire,
1: you should be listening to Build Your Network.
2: Build Your Network.
1: With my good friend, Travis Chapel.
2: Travis Chapel.
0: Welcome back to the show. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know. If you agree, then keep on listening for tips on how to cultivate meaningful connections the right way. If you disagree... Then tune in anyway to let me prove you wrong with my journey. My name is Travis Chapel, and this is the Build Your Network podcast. You have so many stories, and I know that. Can you pull out one specific story where you were trying to make something happen, but it just wasn't working, and then you made a connection with somebody, and they just opened the door wide open for you?
1: Yeah, I'll embellish on what I just spoke about. The um, I had a client that wanted to have a dinner party in Florence and he wanted an exclusive restaurant. And if anyone's ever been to Tuscany, you know, that doesn't exist. You know, the whole point of Tuscany is it's family style. That's why it's so beautiful. So we had to give him something that didn't really exist. So we took over the academia and we had a dinner party at the feet of Michelangelo's David. And I thought that what I wanted to do was I wanted to see if I could get Andrea Bocelli to come in and serenade the clients So I contacted what I thought was a more senior person and closer to the family actually turned out to be one of his agents. And I got the usual kind of, oh, yeah, great. That sounds wonderful. You see, agents are there for two reasons to say no or charge you three times more than what you offered. Those (laughs) are the only two roles of an agent. And if you get a hold of an agent, then you're spinning your wheels or going in circles I knew this wasn't going anywhere, especially when they turned around. And they said, yeah, we'll come back to you. They didn't say my name, phone number, or email address. And so I'd been working with the Vatican. So I phoned up the Vatican, and I said, look, I've got to ask you, have you ever dealt with Andre Bocelli? And uh, the lady that I was dealing with at the Vatican said, yes, he's been here many times. And I went, you couldn't do me a favor. Give him a phone call and let him know that uh, I'm for real, and I need a chat with him because I'd love him to do this. And so she did. So I used a relationship that I had credibility with, to contact a relationship I didn't have yet to build and start the credibility. And if you've got someone that you admire and respect, contact you about a third party, then you go in very warm. And as it was, I got a phone call from the Bocelli camp saying, we got a call from the Vatican. Would you like us there at eight o'clock or nine o'clock?
0: I love what you talk about. In the book, and they're laced throughout your stories about creating win-win situations, because I think that's one missing piece for a lot of people. Is is they they go into it thinking like I'm there's no way this person's going to agree with this, and so they think it's impossible because they're like, what do I have to offer? This you know I know like that one you're talking about in the book about getting a signed guitar from Maroon Five, and most people would go into that thinking, well, they have nothing, you know. They have nothing to gain or benefit from. So why would they do anything for me? And so it's always about trying to find what that win-win is going to be and then implementing it. Can you talk about creating win-win situations and some strategies that you found that help you to be able to find out what people want?
1: Yeah, and again, we you've just used the example. So many people are concentrating on why it shouldn't happen rather than why it should. So I never ask a question... That I can get the answer no, unless no is the answer I want. So the first thing is position. You ask whenever you contact someone, they already know you're contacting them because you're on the bloody phone with them. They straight away know you want something because you're on the phone with them. Tell them. Why you want something from them, but then quickly within five or six seconds say, Hey, I I need this to happen, or I'm looking for this to happen. But the reason I'm contacting you is because I hear you have a book, I hear you have a project, I hear you have a charity, a foundation, a cause, and I have a way that I think could be very beneficial to you. Do you mind if I go into that further? Hmm. And you've told them straight away, Hey, I want to speak to you about getting a signed guitar but I realized that you've got this straight away. You're telling them why you're on the phone. You want to get them engaged and you want to get a conversation, which uncannily is a two way thing. You speak, they speak, you speak. And too many people are losing that now. So quickly tell them why you're on the phone, gets the butterflies out of their stomach, makes it very clear. Oh, he's after a song guitar, but hang on a minute. He's got an angle for my charity. All right. I'll listen. Yeah. Give him a reason. To keep you on the phone. I often say putting your foot in the door, getting your foot in the door is dead easy. Being so impossible to resist that they never want you to leave. That's the secret sauce.
0: Hmm. Do you find, like, do you have any tips for getting past the gatekeeper, or do you typically try to find the secret entrance? Like, instead of going through the agent or the assistant or whatever, do you try to find a way that to just bypass that whole wall and just go through a different way, or do you have different strategies for talking to a gatekeeper that's being, you know, really stubborn to get into that door? This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. Travis. Just go to Indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed.
1: Oh, a conversation with a gatekeeper is easy. It's called click. Just bloody hang up. You're, you're spinning your wheels in mud. It's a waste of time. Nine times out of 10, these people have their head up their ass. There's so much ego yeah. that they basically refuse you. And the agent, as we've already expressed, is there to say, no, or we'll charge you three times more than you offer. And I'm in Hollywood. So trust me, there's a million agents that bloody hate me, but I couldn't give it. <laughs> so what you should do is, first of all, research. So who you want to go should be laser target focused. So if you're after someone, especially in the media eye, then research what are they interested in? Cars, foundations, horses, whatever. Find out what they're interested in and get in the same room. Now, you may find out that they support a local charity. Go to the charity gala. Go to the charity and say, hey, I hear you have so-and-so as one of your supporters. Do you not really like to work with that person? Would you be open to a charitable donation to make the introduction? Charities love making money. Now, agents get 10%. Charities get all of it. Hmm. So it's much more interesting for a charity to take the money than the agent to. And the other thing is charities will work harder for you to make the deal happen. So just try and find out what they're interested in and then make offers to find out how to get in that area and try and bump into them. I have bumped into hundreds of people by careful planning, just to make sure I'm at that bar. I want that room. I'm at the table next to them. Millions of times just to be able to go, Oh, Hey, my name's Steve. I hear you're interested in Porsche. I love Porsche. Why are Porsche so spectacular to you? You know, get people talking about what they love. You know, I've gone up to people and I've said, oh, didn't I see you on a cooking show? I've never figured you for a cook. Is that what you like to do? You know, and just get them talking about things they like talking about before you dive in with, oh, can I have a signed guitar? You know, so (laughs) just be smart and be strong. And I've had clients afterwards. These are now clients of mine that have turned around and gone, did we bump into it? And especially since this book has come out, I've had a few people go, we bumped into each other. Was that planned? And I've gone, whoa, do you want it to be planned or should we just pretend it was just, uh, you know, karma? yeah. Yeah, it was just coincidence. I don't want to leave anything to luck. If I want to be in front of someone, I'm going to make sure I know where they're standing.
0: Hmm. Um, there's so many insights when we're telling stories like that. It's hard to just pick one or two things out, but I'm really interested to hear your answer to this question. Who, th- through all of your travels in business for the last couple of decades, who do you think is like the most interesting or influential person that you've been able to meet? I've
1: got to give you two names then, because you said interesting and influential. Okay. So I'm going to go interesting, I would go with probably Jean-Paul de Jouria.
0: Hmm.
1: The guy has such a background. If you don't know about his background, yeah. uh, I'm not going to go into it now. Google is history. The guy slept in dry cleaning stores. Yeah, One of the most real and authentic, and I'll tell you the story. I bumped into him many years ago, and the funny thing is me and my wife, she used to work in a hairdressers in England when okay. Paul Mitchell was in this hairdressers. And it was the first luxury product brand that me and my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, ever bumped into. I remember her coming back to the apartment going, oh, this is from America. It's really fancy stuff. And I was like, oh, great. You know, I didn't give a damn. Uh, (laughs) But it was the way they marketed. And you've seen the Paul Mitchell brand. Everyone Mm -hmm. has. The way they marketed has been beautiful. And it was one of the first luxury brands. And when I bumped into JP, I actually said to him, I hadn't planned to be there. I was at an event. I didn't know he was going to be at the event. I was actually outside getting some coffee. And so was he. And I went, Oh, Hey, how are you? I said, being here, I want to tell you this little bit of a story. And he went, I'm sorry. I've just got to go and drop this off. He said another time. And I went, yeah, sure. I thought to myself, hang on. You know, he's obviously doing something. He doesn't want to chat with me. Fair enough. Okay. I was getting my coffee and he comes back and puts his hand on my shoulder and he went, Right, I'm ready now. Tell me that story. Huh. And I just thought, who would have done that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, you know, I'm anyone that's listening to this on the podcast, I'm not the warmest, fuzziest, most approachable looking guy. <laughs> um, so the fact that JP actually came back and did that, we ended up sitting down for bloody ages chatting away. He's very interesting. I love his social needle. Yeah. yeah. I love what he sees value in. The guy is one of those top entrepreneurs that you should look into further. Mm-hmm. Does not shout, but is definitely influential, and I think just amazing on how he communicates, networks, and builds up a community around him. One of the most influential people has to be Elon. Elon Musk has. Now you don't see Elon kind of walking red carpets. You don't see Elon Musk kind of like you know doing showboat stuff, jumping on the media all the time. He's a doer. He's not a who right. This is a guy that turns around and says, well, there's a problem there. Not let's find a solution. Let's look at whether or not there should be a problem there in the first place. There <laughs> yeah. are you know, so many people. So many people spend so much time engineering engines to run smoother, faster, more stronger. He looked at it and went, why should the engine be like that?
0: Right, right. You
1: know, you remove so many problems if it has no moving parts. Let's make it electric. And bear in mind, everyone laughs at Elon. Elon has been the butt of people's jokes for years. And one of his biggest laughers was now his biggest bloody client, NASA. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, so true. I was just talking to somebody about that. If you want
1: Influence, it's got to be Elon.
0: Yeah, I was just talking to somebody about Elon the other day after they did that unveiling of the new Roadster and the semi-truck and stuff.
1: The truck, yeah. Yeah,
0: We were talking about that. And literally, I said that to somebody, what you just said about how we've been innovating the car engine, the gasoline engine for 70 years. And then everybody's goal has always just been like, how do we make that better? How do we innovate here? How do we solve this problem with that? And then Elon Musk just looked at it and went... Well, why don't we just do it differently <laughs> and harness a more powerful form of energy and use that? <laughs> and then he just did it. So it, it's incredible. I love both of those stories. And with John Paul, too, I just read a, about his, like a full version of his story in Millionaire Success Habits by Dean Graziosi. And it was an incredible story to me because I come from a door to door sales background. So my background's heavy in door to door sales. And that's how John Paul Lajore started with. It was his brand with, he was selling door to door, some random product just to raise capital to start a business. And then when he started his business, he started going business to business, to business, to business, to hair salon, to hair salon, to hair salon, knocking on the door, asking for the manager, selling his stuff and now multi-billion dollar company. And the crazy thing to me about those guys is they're always constantly looking for more, you know, like, like if I were Elon Musk and I sold PayPal for a billion dollars when I was like 28 years old. I would be like, all right, well, see ya. <laughs> I'm headed to you know Bali for the rest of my life and my beach house or something. But the guy just like keeps innovating and keeps making the world a better place. So I love both examples. Both of those times that you met those two people, Steve, were those on purpose meetings or were they truly on accident?
1: Well, I'm gonna digress quickly and give a big, big shout out to my boy Dino there. Dean Graciosi is a phenomenal character. And if no one's looked up Dean Graciosi, you should. This guy is incredibly sharp, incredibly humble and an A-class guy. So big shout out to Dean. Fantastic book too. Yeah. Yeah. I love the boy. He's a friend of mine. I like him and I'm proud to be able to call him that. So yeah, no, Elon, no, that wasn't casual. That was a strategic because I was doing an event with Peter Diamandis and it was at SpaceX and we arranged for Mr. Musk to actually be there. So that was not. A just bump into that was very much a strategic, but it was also a very heavily pre planned event. And again, that was one of those things where we used credibility from others to make sure he would attend. Yeah. Regarding uh, JP, JP was a complete off the wall. But you know, and this goes back to the old saying, you know, the more you practice, the luckier you get. Yeah. If you're hanging in the right rooms, you're amazed at who you bump into. Right. right. And so. I've always said to myself, oh, it was real coincidence and kind of like, you know, just real off the cuff that I bumped into JP. The fact is I was in the right place to meet people of that caliber. Mm -hmm. If it hadn't been JP, it would have been someone else. In fact, it was someone else. There were a ton of people that I meet. So I always make sure I'm in the right rooms, the right locations, the right places to grow.
0: Yeah, yeah. For someone out there that's thinking like, "How do I do that? How do I get into those rooms? What would be like the first place that they can start?" Would you say like the first place you start is changing your mindset, or the first place you start is just meeting more people, or the first place you start is just go do things? What would you say to somebody?
1: Do they want to meet you? So I have a, a real dislike for assholes. I don't want to waste <laughs> my time with them. So if you're an asshole, don't get in the room. If you're one of these people to think that you shouldn't be there don't be there if you think you can't you're right Mm. so first of all be the person that someone wants to meet and then start going out to networking events and do the little ones first of all there's a lot of people that play the old nirvana line here i am entertain me go in there and contribute so if you want to go along to a networking event at your local village or something go to these and question challenge hey i believe you're involved in that that sounds great but how do you do it? You know, learn how to negotiate and learn how to ask the right questions. Then when you've got that, Pat, get into a better room of entrepreneurs and you're going to have to pay. There's loads of these different entrepreneurial events. There's baby bathwater. There's mastermind talks. There's uh, Archangel Academy, 25 K annual event. There's a whole ton of amazing ones. Secret knock. How did I miss that one? There's a whole host of these amazing events Hmm. that you pay to get into, but some people pay and then think, right, I've paid. Now what? Be the person that someone wants to communicate with. Be the mindset that someone wants to engage. If you're not, then just park the cars and stay out of the way of everyone that is.
0: That's such a fantastic way of looking at it too. And that's kind of what I wanted to hear was the first thing that you said was about shifting your mindset. I like it because you gave me something philosophically and then you give us something practically. So philosophically, it's about changing your mindset. And like you said, if you think you can't, you're right. If you think you can, you're right. So you have to become the person that people want to connect with and have that confidence and don't be a jerk all the time and be a nice person. But at the same time, now it's starting to, once you have that philosophy, that mindset down, now here's some practical steps, like go to this event, go to that event, get out there, make it happen, And don't think that you're going to be Steve Sims overnight. You know, like it took you a lot of years to be able to connect with the people that you've been able to connect with. Sorry to interrupt. I hope that you see that book and you realize
1: that there's no intelligence here. I was just doing it while you were, you know, crapping your pants about it. (laughs) Anyone can do what I do and anyone can do what I do probably better than I. Now, I've had a 23-year head start, Mm. so I've leapfrogged up my credibility. I remember you know, you work with the G list before you can get up, you know, higher up, higher up. Now I'm working in the A list. Mm -hmm. I can make calls to the Vatican and Andrea Bocelli and Elton John. You need 23 years to be able to do that. Right. But you can still do it as long as you stop kind of like putting it on a pedestal or making out it's impossible before you've even tried.
0: Yeah. I have to think that as an actress, you got to know the right people in order to get Auditions or roles or opportunities. But then, like you said, if you're no good, then it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, can you kind of talk about that? How did that help you? How did building relationships with other people help you in your acting career?
2: Well, in the acting career, again, I was, I guess I was lucky early on because I was always able to get the best modeling agencies, like Elite. When I went into acting, I was able to get the top agencies, the top managers. And then, you know, I didn't do enough of that. You know, looking back, I probably should have done more. Mm -hmm. That is a regret. Like I I look at younger people today and I'm like, oh, but you know, they have to, they're on their own path and they have to figure things out. But relationships are very important because I would work on one set and then a few months later, I'd be on another set and there was about three or four of the same crew and everyone talks and it's a small world and you know, the people want to work with each other who they have good relationships with, who they right. can trust. They want dependability. They don't want drama on set. They don't want an actor or a crew member who's going to start nattering about the director or this. that creates problems mm-hmm. and that goes around or if you're late or not professional you know, the buzz gets out and people can hurt you because you can lose jobs over that. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I really learned about that sort of industry and and getting along with people. And I never really had a problem with that because I've always kind of gotten along with people. But I remember there were people that were difficult or showed up later, acted like divas. And then eventually, if they're not a superstar and they don't have mega talent to offer, they're, they got forgotten.
0: Right, They weren't right.
2: given another opportunity, you know?
0: Right. So tell us then about a time in your life, Elena, like a specific story that you can kind of pull out from your past where a connection that you had, a relationship with another individual led you to a big moment of success for you.
2: Hmm, let me think about that. I'm trying to think. I have this one where I was friends with this casting director. And he's really great. His name is John Patsidera. He cast major stuff. And I went on this audition for this film. And I don't know, I could just kind of feel like I did a really good job. I wasn't sure. And you're not supposed to call the casting people. It's like in Hollywood, don't call me, I'll call you kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But I called them and said, hey, what happened and how do i get a role in this film and he was like you say you really want a role in this film and i was like yeah i really do blah 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 and he was like well you did really good let me talk to the producers and the director and anyway i ended up getting a role in the film which then got me to the maxim magazine thing which is now kind of more of just a bragging right yeah right, (laughs) right 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 You know, but it did get me some more, like it helped me kind of break into more of the movie aspect of things yeah. by just having that relationship with the casting director.
0: Just the one. Yeah, that's a perfect example. That's exactly what I was looking for, Lana, Something where it was just like a relationship that you have with somebody. There's, they're a friend of yours. You didn't have like this hidden agenda where it was like... You know, if I become friends with this person, they'll set me up with here, which will lead to this, and then I'll become Maxim Magazine's top one hundred, you know, like it wasn't like this whole long plan that you had in your head. It was just a relationship with the casting director. And then that's
2: right. Um, well, the Maxim had seen the movie and the movie got some notoriety or whatever, and and then that's how that happened. Yeah. So I just feel like in life, if you're my friend. I'm trying to help you. I have my best friend, Rebecca in New Orleans owns this store called Chatterbox. Well, every time I go to New Orleans, I shop. I do like most of my yearly shopping at Chatterbox to support her. Hmm. I have friends here that are in the gun world and they make incredible ARs or I don't know if you know what a PCC is, but they make guns and they're my friends. Like I buy my stuff from them. If I have a friend that You know, once help with her charity, I help with the charity. Like, I'm not looking for anything in return, right? But I just feel like it's just good karma. It's good. You help your friends and your friends help you.
0: Right, right. So, I'm sure you get a lot of this, Elena, in the position that you're in these days. How do you deal with people that come up to you and you can just tell that there's a hidden agenda behind it? Like, they want this certain thing or they want to get to grant or they want to talk to this person that, you know, and you can just tell that there's a hidden agenda. How does that make you feel and how do you deal with it?
2: Oh, I don't mind hidden agendas at all because, you know, I want people. Okay. Let me answer it this way. If somebody comes to me to get to grant, I think they're a smart person because that's smart. Hmm. He's got a lot of gatekeepers and I have to go through some of the gatekeepers. (laughs) But if you come to me, I think you're smart because you're smart. I mean, why wouldn't you come to me? I'm not trying to open the door for more of it because I have so much of it, more than I can even deal with now. (laughs) I'm sure. But honestly, I think they're a smart person because why wouldn't you work your Assets, your I don't know what you'd call me, your allies. You are even if you don't know me and you got a chance to meet me. Why wouldn't you present if you believe in your product? Why wouldn't you get it in front of me to get it to grant? I don't know why you would stop yourself. Hmm. I don't know why people think that hidden agendas or if you want help from somebody is a bad thing. It's not. It's that's what you're supposed to do. Why else have me in your life as your friend or not if we can't help each other? Now sometimes the project's not going to work up. It's not going to line up. It's not what we do. It's not our business. And and I have to say, it's not going to work. Or I can come up with an idea and say, hey, try this. Because I I have all kinds of ideas about people's businesses and stuff. But no, I don't mind that at all. Because I would want to be able to say, if I met somebody that could help us, I would want to be able to say, hey, what do you think of this idea? Or how could we work in this way? I wouldn't want to feel like I just had to be friends, meaning talk about meaningless stuff with you to prove somehow that i don't need or want anything from you i mean Mm. it's bs like why am i hanging out with you i want something from you my friends in new orleans i don't want any material things from them but i want them to let me be that teenage girl because they know who i was and i can be that around them i want something from them they give that to me you Mm. know what i mean
0: yeah yeah definitely it's
2: whatever the thing is that you want with your friends or business people it's like I wouldn't beat around the bush. It's like, I'm clear about it, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So very, very interesting. So tell me this, if somebody comes up to you somewhere, what's typically a way that you respond really well to, like what's approach that people come up to you with where you respond really well to. So if somebody's listening, they're like, Hey, I want to talk to you when I come to 10 X growth con, (laughs) what would you recommend that someone like that would say to you when they first get there?
2: Well, that's, difficult because that's going to be an extremely busy time. I know you probably just threw that out there, but for yeah, yeah, at any yeah. time, yeah,
0: um, not just 10 X growth on, but, but, yeah, but any, anytime,
2: anytime, you know, something that's non-threatening, like that doesn't seem, you know, like showing up at my house or my condo might be a little weird. <laughs> now I'm like, Oh, they know. It just, I always have a tendency to think in safety lines. So mm. that kind of automatically puts me on a I have to look at you through a red flag filter now.
3: Right. But
2: like if you showed up at the Starbucks and you knew we were going to be there and we said, we're having a meet and greet. I opened the door for your invitation and that's the perfect place because I'm ready. I have my people, I'm prepared, Hmm. you know, Yeah, those are great opportunities and we're so available. Like if you see us at a ball game or here or there or at a restaurant and you want to come say hi and you're friendly and you're, you know, all that, we don't care. Like I'm not, some person that's like, I'm eating right now. Like, that's that's not me. You know, I go back to the beginning. I want to help people. And that's my weak spot. That's my weak spot.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So if you're listening right now, you want to meet them, just look, follow their stuff on social media. I was just telling Elena this before we hopped on the interview that we were both in Vegas at the same time. So if you follow like their stuff on social media and you realize that you're in the same spot or that they're at a certain place that's only a few minutes from you or maybe an hour or something and you really want to meet them, then you just got the green light. So go ahead, go up to them, introduce yourself yeah, and you say know, what's and,
2: up. And the people, I'm very good on Instagram. I'm not really great on other social mediums and Grant does get on me about that. But for now, I'm really good on Instagram. I have a lot of people that write me there, but I do try to get back to people, and this is true. I have had numerous people in numerous cities DM me and say, where are y'all going to be? Can I meet up with you? And I have responded, we will land at the airport at this time. You can come by and say hi, and 10 or 15 people have showed up. So I'm very open and available.
0: Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. You may have heard me in the intro give you a little bit of a taste of the new mastermind that I have coming up. I can't yet reveal some of the awesome stuff that's going to be a part of that mastermind. But if it's something that you are interested in, please feel free to shoot me an email over to travis at buildyournetwork.co and I would love to chat with you about it. Have a fantastic rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it.